So What is a podcast from The Gathering at Crossings Community Church. This podcast exists to help young adults navigate real life and cultural topics in light of what the Bible says. The Gathering meets weekly on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. at Crossings Community Church. It is a place for young adults in their 20s and 30s to belong and be known and become like Christ. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Here we go. Hey guys, welcome to So What? Thank you for joining us um, today. Today we have a special guest. We have Blake Baston here. And what we're going to do is just keep doing our recap like we've been doing for the past couple weeks of our series. So if you missed our message on Tuesday, go back and give it a listen. It's going to give you a lot of context for what we're talking about today. Um, but in the meantime, I'm going to have Blake just introduce himself. But before we do that, I'm going to kick off with a fun fact question. So we're going to get all the important information later, but I just want a good fun fact from you, Blake. What's something yeah. that not everyone knows about you that you think is very interesting? Yeah, I don't have too many interesting things. I, I, I Most people don't know about me. I used to live in Australia. That was a bunch of fun. That's so pretty interesting. That's pretty interesting. Like. That, that's high on the list. That's a, uh, that's a, whenever you live in Australia, it means you get to be exempted from a midlife crisis. <laughs> So I, I just get to skip that whole phase of life. It was a lot of fun. Um, but the fact that, you know, we've been talking about it a little bit lately, um, I proved to myself Sunday evening that I am not capable of running sprints anymore. Had a guy's dad <laughs> night out deal here at the cro- at crossings and 40-yard dash, and I made it through 35 yards running well. And then the last five yards, my body gave out. So <laughs> it was I finished uh, on the finish line on my back. Uh, very embarrassed, and then my first thought was, "I hope this doesn't make the staff Christmas party blooper reels." <laughs> so um, the infamous blooper it. reels. The infamous blooper reels. So that's a good one um, for mm-hmm. me. I was talking to Blake earlier, and mine is I can ice skate backwards. But the thing is, I'm not actually that good at it. I'm just really proud of it. Mm-hmm. Like I can do it. It's sufficient, but it kind of looks like a baby deer walking backwards. But I make my friends go ice skating every year because it's my favorite thing, and I just think it's really fun. I'm actually really good at ice skating. Are you really? I'm really good See, at ice skating. See, that's another fun fact. I, um, it's one of those, like you take your kids out, you know, Mitch Park in the, mm-hmm, in the wintertime yeah. and they want to do the thing where they're holding hands with dad going around ice skating rink. And I just like, you just, you're not quick enough for me. So <laughs> I just, pace yet. You I can't let come. them, I let them just hang on the rail and I go and have fun. So <laughs> good parenting best. tactics. I always you know? seem to have friends that like play hockey. So I think I'm good mm-hmm. at it. And then I'll have friends that come, they'll like, be skating like one foot in front of their texting. And I'm like, well. I thought I was good at this. I am yeah. not good at this. Got All things me. are relative. All yeah. things relative. Exactly. Okay. So before we dive in, um, mm-hmm. welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad you're here. Can you just kind of give a quick introduction of who you are, what you do at Crossing, just like a little bit about yourself? Yeah. I'm, I'm Blake Bass. I'm a pastor here at our church. Uh, my role here at Crossings is to really... I always tell people I'm like the dad of the church. So <laughs> you, uh, when there's a problem, you come and see dad. And uh, and so if I'm the dad, Lynn Watson's the mom. And so that's kind of the role that we play here at Crossings. But but I help oversee a lot of our ministries of the church, uh, various locations, and all, a lot of the operations of the church. Just try to keep things running well. Um, but I had a background. I've been here about six and a half years now. Uh, prior to that. Uh, I used to be in uh, mining and in oil and gas and kind of more of a uh, professional setting. Uh, but I am married to my my wife of 15 years, Kimberly. We were high school sweethearts. And uh, we have two kids, 12, uh, twin 11-year-olds, Samantha and Easton. Awesome. So that pretty much encapsulates life right now for me. All right. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And you spoke on Tuesday. Which was great. First time speaking at the gathering, right? Or have you spoken there before? I have never spoken at the gathering okay, before. Andy it? was never crazy enough to ask me to do that before. <laughs> I think he was desperate. But 
No, I loved it. I, I, I love our young adult ministry. I, I meant what I said at the beginning of the message, how encouraged I am. And, and honestly, our leadership, our elders, everyone is of just what God's doing through the ministry. Like I said, not just a lot of people look at, at younger uh, people in our church and they, they think about what they will be one day in the future. Mm-hmm. But what I'm very encouraged about is not just what is to be, but what is now. I mean, the, yeah. the leadership I see happening now uh, through the people in this ministry is just incredible. And so we're just so proud of, of you, of everyone um, in the ministry who's just supporting so well. It's a fun ministry for sure. It really it's, is. Keeps you busy. It's awesome. It really is. Okay, so real quick before we dive into our podcast mm-hmm. today and just kind of talking about the message on Tuesday, can you give a quick just recap of what you talked about, just kind of some highlights, high points, overview for those who missed it? Yep, sounds good. We covered, we wrapped up the series in Philippians. And so it we went through chapter four. We really focused on verse 10 through 13 in Philippians, where Paul's talking about learning the secret really to contentment, mm-hmm. um, that he can do all things through Christ who gives him strength. And so we talked about this idea of contentment and really how the original hearers of that text would have understood that passage, because it's different than how we read it today. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about that, some of the peculiar peculiarities of that text, and then really trying to make sure we understood that you cannot be content by worshiping a small God. It must be the God, a very big, powerful God, is really the only God who has the power to truly give you contentment in this life, where there are trials and suffering and hardships of many kind. Um, this is not an easy life. Everyone's going through different things. Everybody's going through something. And so it's a very big God that you must not just know about, but you must know in order to truly have a life of contentment. Mm, yeah. It was really good. If you missed it on Tuesday, go back and listen to it. Really, really good. Really encouraging. And so we're just kind of going to dive right in off yep. that if you're okay with it. Yep. So real quick, I'm going to read Philippians um, 4, 11 through 14, just gives people some context yep. who aren't in it. And it says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in it, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And what I love is the context around that last verse is so mm-hmm. important. I feel like all the time we see it like in sports, in Instagram mm-hmm. bios, all the places. And like, I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. And well, yes. Like, yep. I can pitch a no hitter through Christ who gives me strength, said, right? Well, it's a, yeah. I don't think yeah. that's quite what Paul was meaning. Yeah. So. Add that to the long list of Bible verses you cannot take out of context, <laughs> yeah, right? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. But when you were talking about it, you kind of talked a little bit about stoicism. Mm-hmm. And so can you give a little bit, just a quick synopsis of what that is before we dive in a little bit? Yeah. So the Stoics, and we've all heard probably the word, you know, stoic. Uh, in modern day vocabulary, mm-hmm. and normally you you talk about it when someone seems like they are being stoic, they are they almost seem expressionless, lifeless, emotionless, and that's a really a consequence of the original Stoic philosophy, which was very prevalent um, in the Roman culture at the time that Paul was writing this letter. And so Stoicism at the time, think about they were grappling with the same things we grapple with. So how do you make sense of suffering? How do you make sense of life? How do you go about and live a good life? All going back from Plato and Aristotle, going back through virtue ethics. And when they came to this conclusion, they really said that this idea of contentment is the highest of all pursuits. But in order to get there, you had to really suppress all desire. Mm. 
And so they would actually train themselves to not desire other things. They would train themselves to not feel. Uh, I think one of the the quotes I said, I think was from from Glazer, if I remember right, but it said, the Stoics made of their hearts a desert, and they called it peace. Mm. So you think about you're really trying to train your mind to not desire, and through the absence of these additional feelings, you can have complete self-sufficiency and contentment. So whenever Paul's writing this letter— and they hear the word content, contentment. They would have, especially given they're in Philippi, which is a Roman colony, right? They would have understood this is a Stoic phrase. They would have, they would have been, in, you know, just saturated, or to use Andy Roshkup's term, marinated. <laughs> it would have been marinating in that type of, of philosophy, and it would have just, it would have caught their attention in that way. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So one of the things you said was the idea that contentment was self-sufficiency, like mm-hmm. the highest like self of contentment was being self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is we kind of see that play out in today's culture mm-hmm. as well. So what do you think kind of the tension there is between that philosophy that they thought would bring happiness then mm-hmm. and didn't, and it's still playing out today? Yeah, if you think about it, everyone's, everyone's trying to solve the same problem, mm-hmm. right? If you study philosophy, if you study world religions— um, you look at various just ways people have tried to figure out the great questions of life. If you think deeply, everyone's trying to solve some of the same problems. The nothing Stoics, new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. The Stoics tried to solve it one way, mm-hmm. uh, but the power was coming from the self, right? The, the power over your mind. If you look at today in our modern culture today, and this is not an indictment of it, it's just a, a characterization of it. Actually, it is an indictment of it. It's, <laughs> I, I completely it. disagree, uh, or I wouldn't be a pastor at a church. But <laughs> the the modern day, if you call it modernism evolving into postmodernism, very much is about fulfilling all your desires. Mm-hmm. And so if you are experiencing something, it is good. Uh, think about the idea where we say we look deep within ourselves to find who we are. That as a concept is all about me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the Stoics were tapping into their own power, right, to get to this contentment. Today in postmodernism, we're tapping into the power of the self to get to our idea of contentment. And I think the lie that we're telling ourselves through this is if I do what I desire, right, if I do what seems to be fulfilling to me, then I'll be happy. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't seem to be going well for people. It does not seem to be going well for people. If you look, there was just a, a research study um, done by Wall Street Journal, NBC News, that showed some stats going back from 1999 to 2019, so just pre-pandemic to today. And it just shows people what they value most. And one of the most shocking statistics was people's value of community – went from like 62% in 2019 to 29% today. Wow. Like 62% of people in 2019 said they value community, 29% of people do today. Wow. And so you think about it, it's a, I don't know if you've ever read The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, but C.S. Lewis depicts this idea of hell as people isolating from themselves and having no desire other than just continue to get further and further apart from each other. So you think about that, that is their desire, mm. though it's not good for them, mm-hmm. right? And so I think if you think about both the Stoics and postmodern today are both tapping into how can I control this? What do I desire? What do I want? That is where the power comes from. 
And that is completely antithetical to what Paul's saying in Philippians. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Kind of hinting on that is you're like stoicism says, okay, shut it all off. Mm -hmm. That's not where it's going to come from. And then you use the analogy that our culture is soak it all in. Soak it all in. So either one, and there's misery in both. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, people haven't found the answer. They haven't found the answer to contentment. But Paul says he has learned the secret to being content and that it doesn't come from within. It doesn't come from self at all, mm-hmm. but it comes from Christ. And so my question is, how do we develop that contentment in Christ? Mm-hmm. Well, you think about it, you have to, and this is where we talked a little bit on Tuesday night. I didn't get too far into it, but there's a difference if you think about Paul's life, there's a difference between a knowledge of Christ and actually knowing him. Mm-hmm. And Paul is somebody who legitimately knew Christ, right? He had a direct experience with Christ. He had a relationship with him. And only through that relationship can you really tap into that power. And I think we we can struggle at times with you know little tidbits of knowledge about him versus actually being able to dive deep into a a true relationship. Um, and Paul, Paul is like I said, he's making this audacious claim, right? That that he has somehow tapped directly into the power, you know, not just the knowledge, but the power of the one who created the universe, mm-hmm. right? That is, I mean, honestly, you think of that's that is a bit crazy. Sounds a little, it's a little bit of a head scratcher. It's a little head scratcher. "Mm." Yep. But you have to know him. Yeah. So I think the question then is how do you bridge the gap between knowing about God and knowing God? Mm -hmm. Because I see a lot of Christians, especially in their 20s, that have grown up in church, like, okay, like, how do I bridge Mm -hmm. that gap? It's a great question. If if you have um, one book recommendation, and it's just, it's, it was a book that was, Pivotal in my own faith development, and I recommend almost everybody I talk to. Uh, but Knowing God by J.I. Packer is a phenomenal read, and you have to chew it. But it is a really, really good read, and actually talks to this. One of the things Packer really gets to in that book that was helpful for me is when you think about knowing God, think about the fact that we know God in the way he helps us understand him. And, and all throughout the Bible, he helps us understand his relationship his relationship to him in very personal terms. Mm-hmm. One of the most common ways is a, a marriage, right? He also does friendship. He also does, you know, shepherd and, and sheep, right? All these are very intimate relationships that we can understand, but they are actual personal relationships. And so if you think about how do I know God, it's kind of like, how do I know you, right? Mm-hmm. How do I know you? Well, we have to get to know each other, right? We have to talk. Uh, we have to... We have to converse. We have to, I have to know what to expect from you, mm-hmm. right? I actually don't know you if if I'm not sure that when we have meetings, are you going to come in on time or not, right? Like I know there's a guy on staff here. I'm going to out him, Ryan Brown. Like, Ryan <laughs> Brown. I know Ryan Brown. And I know that every meeting we have, Ryan Brown will walk in three minutes and 35 seconds late, right? And it's because <laughs> I know him. I know what to expect from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he knows what to expect from me. And so you think about the way we get to know each other is really the same way you get to know God. It's like, I know what to expect from God because I have read who he is. I have understood his promises. I have seen him keep his promises, not just in the Bible, but in my own life, right? I can pray to him and know that he hears me. Uh, I can experience him in a way that is consistent with how he tells me he's gonna, I'm going to experience him. And so through that, we begin to build this trust. 
And with it, what you understand about God is God actively wants us to know him. And he will provide the grace that makes that possible. Uh, but if you think about how have you gotten to know your best friend, right? Mm-hmm. That is probably the best way to go, how can I get to know God? And are we talking? Are we doing things together? Do I do I send a text in the middle of the day to just, you know, ask input on something? Uh, do do we have a regular time throughout the week that we meet? Uh, I tell a lot of people around here at Crossings that friendship or relationship of any of any way is a product. It's a product of time and intentionality. Mm-hmm. And so are you putting both of those things in? Are you giving God the time and the intentionality just like you would a best friend that you're wanting to engage with? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, that's really good. It's a very practical answer to a very theoretical concept mm-hmm. that I think is tossed around a lot in church. So that was really good. Thank you. Um, so when you were talking on Tuesday, you made a point that I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about your story of chasing satisfaction and contentment. And you mentioned that when you came back to church, you still weren't satisfied. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of tension that people really don't like to talk about. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like they come back and like, okay, it's going to fix everything. Like, well, yep. I'm still here. And so you said you realized that the God Paul was writing about in Philippians wasn't the God that you were worshiping. So how did you kind of come to that realization and how did it change how you viewed God? Yeah, I, I really came to the realization because even when I came back to church, right? I mean, it's so often we think that's the only answer. It's like, mm-hmm. just come to church. And that is part of the answer, right? God does something through the community of believers, through worship, through this time we have together. But that was all I was doing. And it wasn't even often, right? It wasn't even frequent. Going back to that that relationship is a product of time and intentionality, mm-hmm. I was giving little bits of time and little bits of intentionality and just assuming all my problems would be solved, right? And so just in any problem in life, that's not going to be the case. For me, the the game changer really occurred when I actually read the Bible. And it's one of those funny things. And in my life personally, it never occurred to me to actually read it. And I don't know if that's a common issue for people. But, you know, whenever I was growing up, if I was a teenager and I felt like I was drifting away from the church or God, mm-hmm. I, I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to buy a devotional book. And that devotional book would go and I would go through January 2nd and then I'd put the devotional book up and I would never see it again. But it never occurred to me to read. And so when I actually started reading God's word, that's where I, I really was. I was appalled uh, because he just wasn't who I thought he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's as simple as that. He did things I didn't expect him to do. He said things I didn't expect him to say. Uh, he made decisions and and cast visions that I didn't understand. They were inconsistent with both the God I thought I knew and what I would do if I was God. Mm, right, yeah. and that was a really difficult tension for me to work through. Mm-hmm. So, how did you kind of work? through that tension because I think that's what happens a lot of people kind of are in their 20s Mm -hmm. like all right I'm gonna get to know God I'm gonna sit down I'm gonna read it and then they come across this God like you were saying who was nothing like they Mm -hmm. thought nothing like that they want to believe really necessarily if they don't understand and so where do you take that tension and those questions and how did you kind of wrestle through that I think that's a really good question um I I remember praying a prayer when I kind of got into this and the prayer ended up being I am now erasing everything I know about you. It's a, it is now a blank sheet of paper. Fill up the page. Just mm. fill it up. Tell me who you are, because obviously I don't know. 
And so it was almost like this mental shift for me to go, you have to quit fighting this and just allow God to tell you who he is. And then when I got to points, which, which still occurred, where I really struggled and wrestled, I went to my pastor, right? I mean, that's one of the reasons we're around, right, is for conversations like this. I love talking to people about their questions and their concerns and their angst. It's like, that's what we do. We live for that here. Uh, but I had a pastor, a little pastor in the middle of nowhere in Australia who, you know, no one will ever hear of, right, who just faithfully served his church. And I remember he, was put, his, he put his arms around me multiple times, and he helped just give me a little bit of information to get me back on the right path. It's like Leviticus is a great example. I remember going to him with Leviticus, and we were sitting down at this little Italian cafe in Melbourne, Australia, and having uh, having watermelon juice and Italian food, which was the coolest combination you could great. imagine. Yeah, it's like third generation <laughs> Italian family running this cafe. But we were sitting down there talking, and I said, I, I cannot get through Leviticus. Don't get it. And he goes, here's all you need to know. God is saying, I am holy, so you should be holy. Understand that framework and then read through. And for the rest of my life, every time I read Leviticus, I hear him in my head saying that. And so then as I got a little bit more proficient, started learning more, he then said, hey, there's some other guys you need to meet. And he brought me into a group of other guys and said, these guys can help you. And so I had a group of guys, you know, every week that I could go to, and they were a safe group where I could just ask stupid questions, right? Honestly, and that's, I think in America and Christianity, we do a horrible job at this. There's this assumed knowledge that you have of God, and people are afraid to ask the questions that honestly everybody has. Mm -hmm. And so you need to know that whenever you come into these groups, be open, be honest, be transparent. You know, don't scoff at people when they do ask questions. Be, be open about that because everybody has these questions, mm -hmm. right? So I was lucky that I had both a great pastor and a great group of guys there um, who just helped me understand God Yeah, right? every single week. That's really good. And just kind of the idea of letting go of the notion that, oh, I should know this already. Because mm -hmm. we run into that a lot. Like as Christians, we're studying the Bible, doing whatever, like you've grown up in church or different mm -hmm. things like that. And you're like, man, I should know this already. I should not have to wrestle with this. Mm -hmm. And because I am means that I don't have a great faith or X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And so— I want to challenge you, like Blake was saying, just to take your questions to your pastors, to those around you, to your community. That's mm -hmm. why we preach biblical community is so important because that's a place where you can just have those questions and mm -hmm. talk it out because like you were saying, everyone has them. A beautiful passage in the Bible. God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, right? And so you have to, you have to come to that conclusion. Okay, the way I'm going is not God's way, and he thinks differently than I do. You need all the help you can get, right, <laughs> to truly help understand God. Because when you do, when you understand him better, like I said, and, and you have to get into this to understand him, you start to realize what you can expect from God. Cliff Sanders, he's a pastor on our staff, great, great guy. Um, he has this great saying that I love, talking about the expectations of God. And he says, God will never give out on you, meaning his power will never cease, right? God will never give up on you, meaning there's never so far you can go into sin, into disobedience, where you cannot repent and turn back to a loving father. And God will never give in to you, right? So God will not condone sin, right? God will not allow you to think it's okay to live a life inconsistent with what he desires for you because what he desires is good for you. Mm -hmm. But when you think about that with God, how what you can expect of him, he will not give out on you. 
He will not give up on you and he will not give in to you. And think about your best friend in that context. If that was how you could describe your best friend, it's like, if you're my best friend, Paige, it's like, you will never give out on me. Like, I can always count on you. Right? You'll never give up on me. No matter what I do, you will always open your arms back to me. And you won't give in to me. Whenever I'm doing something stupid, you're not going to tell me it's okay. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that's a great way to understand what you can expect from the God that you know. Mm, that's good. What was the biggest difference in the God that you thought you were worshiping and the God who he shows himself to be in the Bible? He was so much bigger. Mm. Honestly, he was just bigger. He was um, he was more powerful. He was more just. And he was more loving. Mm. Right. And I think that's the big thing. We try to, we normally have this dichotomy that God is a God of justice or God is a God of love. It's like, no, God is a God of holy love. And through that emanates his justice and his compassion and his empathy and his decrees. And so he was just so much bigger. And I think that's where, you know, I felt very small as I started to understand God, but it was not because I thought less of who I was. I just, I just saw myself more in relation to this greatness of God mm-hmm. that just had not happened before. And that's why I, I, anyone who's ever spent any time with me always gets Job 38 preached at them uh, because it was such a monumental time for me to understand the majesty of God. Mm-hmm. Well, it's such a neat passage of Scripture where God just mm-hmm. tells you who he is. He tells you all the power that he has and what he's done and where he's been. And it mm-hmm. just, like you're saying, it just— I think it reorients our perspective a lot of times. It really does. Because I love to think that my plan is great and I know all the variables. And God, here's this plan that I just have thought through. It is perfect. Mm-hmm. It is great. You should do that. Mm-hmm. And God's like, what I'm telling you is you you haven't thought through it all. I am bigger than you think. Well, think about our going back to the stoicism versus postmodern culture. We're all saturated in postmodern culture today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I've, I've heard <laughs> I've heard Terry Fakes say this before. Is like, you know, we can we can almost feel like, God, you are lucky that I'm on your team, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just this idea of just how important the self is. We have made the self into a God, right? Mm-hmm. We, we have, if you understand the way gods work, right? So we've made the self into a God. You're lucky to be on my team. And whenever you have that perspective ingrained in you, right, you can really go down to what you were saying, right? It's like, God, well, here are my plans. My plans are kind of equal to your plans, right? Mm-hmm. And if your plans don't coincide with my plans, right, then I will win because I am God. And it sounds foolish when I say it, but if you actually look at how we live our lives, we live our lives very close to that being true. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And just the idea, like, I think expanding our view of God is so important for that Mm -hmm. and for that perspective. So how would you encourage someone to cultivate a larger view of God if they're stuck in that, okay, like— I think my God might be too small. I think I might have gotten this wrong. My biggest recommendation, and and it's just it's the easiest recommendation, start reading your Bible. Right. Start reading your Bible. 80 plus percent of us never read our Bible. So like if you're listening, it's probably you, right? You <laughs> you don't read the Bible. Yeah. And so we've actually we've done something on Crossings Resources to make this easy for people. If um, I don't know if you all have ever had Lance Ward on here. No, but I haven't yet. You should have Lance. He's so much better than I am. So <laughs> But Lance Ward's doing this five-day reading plan. And so it's a five-day plan. Um, So five out of seven days of the week, you're doing some reading. You're doing a little bit of Old Testament reading, a little bit of New Testament reading. And you're not going to understand it all. 
right? Nobody does when they read it. And what I love is every week, Lance posts a, a video, a podcast, where he just explains the main takeaways you needed to get out of the reading that week. So you can start at any time, but get yourself into that rhythm. Uh, and then and pray that prayer. It's like, God, I'm going to be a blank sheet of paper. Fill me with who you are. Right? I want to seek you. I, I want to experience you. I want you to be my God, my friend. Right? Pray that. I mean, God, Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. It will be given. Mm-hmm. Right? Pray that prayer and watch what the Holy Spirit will do. Uh, through that time you spend in his word. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot on here too. Like those are the type of prayers that God loves to answer. Yes. Like prayers like knowing him better, understanding his word. Like God is not slow in answering those prayers for sure. Andy and I've talked about this a whole lot. Most people don't read their Bible um, because they're afraid they're not going to have, they don't have enough time, which is just crap. Everybody has time. Uh, check your social media usage. You have time, right? You do. <laughs> That one's convicting. Uh, everybody has time, which, mm-hmm. by the way, quick aside, I got rid of all my social media apps on my phone this year, and I'm a new person. I mean, it's just <laughs> amazing how much time I have. New lease on life. It is great. But you're afraid you don't have time, which you do. Uh, you don't know where to start, which is true. I understand that. I was there. That's why we did Lance's plan, right? He will tell you where to start and what to do. Uh, then the third one, and probably the, the biggest one, is people are afraid they're not going to understand. They're afraid they're going to be confused. And that's a legitimate concern. That's why I think what Lance is doing is great. That's why it's great to come talk to people like you. Come talk to Andy. Come come talk to your pastors. Be in a small group where you can reason together. Um, you don't have to do this on your own. In the West, we have this culture kind of seeped in the postmodern thought where the individual reigns supreme. But when you read about people's faith in the Bible, you will find that God works through the community time and time again to strengthen people's faith. It's not just about you. Mm. Hebrews 10.25, right? Do not neglect the gathering, right? Do not neglect the gathering. Not talking about Tuesday night gathering, but it's kind of true, right? It's kind of too. You should come to that too. (laughs) Do not neglect the gathering together, right? And and if you look, he gives a warning in verse 26 and beyond about what happens when you do neglect coming together with other believers to join in community as we share God's word. Mm -hmm. That's good. Okay. Any other final thoughts or remarks that you want to get across before we go? No, I I think it would just be if you've heard this and you're like, wow, I do need to do that. It's like, wow, I I don't know if, I don't know if I know God or not, right? That that may be what you feel right now. I actually don't know if I know God. Best place to start is ask Him to be introduced to you fully, right? Seek Him, pray that prayer. Read his word and you will know him because he desires to know you, right? Mm. He desires to know you. From the very beginning, when Adam and Eve exited the garden, God has been desiring to be with his people. And you get little remnants of it all throughout the Bible. You see it when the tabernacle was constructed. You see it when the temple was constructed. You see it in the prophecies of Ezekiel. You see it whenever Jesus says it is finished on the cross. You see it in Revelation when finally we get to come back into the garden, right? God desires to be with us. Mm -hmm. And he will, to your point, he will answer that prayer. Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, Blake, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you all. I appreciate it. And uh, we hope you guys have a great week. Thank you for listening.